0: It's not damaging. It might be It might be testing for some people to hear. What's damaging is that they then think that your truth should not be allowed to be aired because it makes them feel uncomfortable. When we first went into the pandemic, what it was acceptable to explore and to question is completely different to what it is now. So the world changes very, very quickly. And, we're, and we forget the context of which we say things in the past. We're trying to create a society where nobody ever has to feel any discomfort or any shame because everybody makes sure that they do their research and lives the perfect life and never puts a foot wrong and never says anything bad out of context or anything that's going to upset anybody. That's dysfunctional.
1: Hello and welcome to Things I Wish I'd Known with your host Rachel Welford. This is the podcast where we inspire positive change through conversation. Today I am with Josh Connolly who is a resilience coach if you have to call him anything but he doesn't really like labels (laughs) and what I love about Josh is that he is actually trying to create a new idea of what resilience is and what it means and... I've done, I'm in the middle actually of doing a course with Josh called Inner You. this is how we met. And what I love about the way that he teaches is that it's all about releasing shame essentially. So it's about validation and around kind of whatever your feelings are, are your feelings and that's okay. And it's like this opposite to avoidance, denial, resistance, shame, all the stuff that we normally feel around feelings that are sometimes very uncomfortable can make us feel like we're a bad person or bad things are happening to us or whatever and actually you have this incredible ability to flip that on its head and allow people to to really get in touch with truly how they feel and use that as a from you know use that as a place of internal strength and I think that is really really powerful so I'm really and i say this of every guest obviously because i've picked them but i'm very excited to have you here today and to share some of your wisdom with uh, with the listeners today so thank you for being here
0: thank you i'm looking forward to it and i i, I don't know if i can top how you've just described what i do <laughs> <'Cause laughs> that's exactly that's it <laughs> feel,
1: feel free to like you know grab that and use it yeah, i'll yeah. take i'll take my royalties later <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: that's it yeah. <laughs> i mean
1: do you want to start by just kind of introducing your story because it's you know even on your website isn't it it's like a long story short and it I, f- I feel like for most of us when we've had trauma and different things that we've experienced it does uh, it weaves its way through everything doesn't it and i mean you've experienced a lot of stuff in your life that you've overcome so i don't know if you just want to kind of give a brief overview to people that maybe haven't met you yet
0: yeah i guess look the reason i do the work that i do today is because of my life experiences um and the kind of difficult things that i've had to navigate during my life i think the first thing that i would say is that I didn't even realize until I was sort of in my mid twenties that I had navigated a difficult life. I had created certain narratives to protect myself from my truth. You know, I said, everybody has it hard. There's people that have it way worse than me. I'd used all of these different kind of uh, ways of avoiding having to really look at what I'd experienced. And when I stopped drinking in 2012, um, I found life really, really, really hard sobriety Mm. wasn't a good thing for me my life didn't get better when I stopped drinking my life got a lot harder because I didn't have a way to escape how I felt and Mm. I was the closest I've ever been to to ending it all in sobriety I was about nine months sober when I when that happened for me um and I was lucky that I had an experience with my children that changed everything and it was from that experience when I said I think I, I think then I made a real thorough commitment to myself to say i am going to seek the truth with myself because mm. it's when i find my ultimate truth that i can find some kind of healing the rest of it everything else that i ever do and i still do today if i don't seek my truth is about blocking masking and avoiding and mm. i think a lot of what i see out there um is about blocking voiding and, uh, and masking and that's kind of what I try and teach is the. Opposite. I
1: love, I, I do, I love that as well. One of the things that you know, recently I did a, a rebrand and stuff, and wanted to m- not move away from, but a little bit the well-being. I didn't necessarily want my well-being in the in the brand name anymore because I feel like. Not that it's become a dirty word, but that industry's gone a bit mental. It's like, just be happy all the time, and you know you can you can do this you can, and that's why everything I do it's like happy habits, it's like a practice like Mm. happiness happiness isn't like fake it till you make it pretend that you're happy don't you know you never get angry you never cry again nothing bad ever happens to you like if you're it almost feels like if you're spiritual enough and if you just meditate enough and if you just eat enough friggin chia seeds and kale you're (laughs) never going to experience a negative emotion ever again and it's fucking bullshit in my
0: opinion yeah yeah you yeah know. it's just it's have you heard the term spiritual bypass absolutely yeah
1: it, yeah and I've done it at the
0: moment yeah yeah me too yeah you know I,
1: I think everybody bypasses their emotions to a certain extent because no one I say this to my clients all the time I'm like no one wakes up and goes you know what I want to do today today's the day i want to go into all my trauma cupboards oh my <laughs> and like God. go through my skeletons like you know sometimes yeah we're ready for it and we go right okay i've got this you know i've got one big specific trauma that i don't talk about um that sometimes i'm like right okay you need to deal with that now like let's go and i'll do another layer of it you know or whatever and it, and it is what it is but nine times out of ten you you're exactly like you say, you drink it away, you take drugs it away, you gamble it away, you shop it away, you go on holiday it away. I don't think people talk about that enough.
0: How many yeah, yeah. people <laughs> go
1: on holiday
2: to avoid? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and it's not that I think the things that we really don't talk about is the good things or the things that have seen as positive, but we do to to wish it away, like you know, helping people or mm. focusing on eating well or working out all of the time right and like you know these are the things that I have found myself doing in the last probably five years yeah because I know if I do the gambling the the sex or you know the, all of that stuff people are going to say that's unhealthy but mm. if I'm out helping people yeah all of mm. the time then nobody's going to call me out on that but I might be doing it to avoid having to deal with my own stuff right it's the, and I the think, rescuer
1: archetype, yeah yeah, right? yeah yeah
0: it's and it you know the way that this stuff plays out is that my uh the men's thing that i do this week and i like when we was having a conversation with somebody said to me um how do you how do you deal with it when you're really struggling and i said well sometimes i deal with it really really badly right and i was like you know we all sort of call people out for posting their washboard abs on instagram right just for likes and i think sometimes i post a quote on instagram just to watch the likes go up because i feel crap about myself right so (laughs) it's no different it's no different i just do it in a way that's harder to call out yeah so i have to kind of understand that about myself
1: i love actually what you said in the course about um intellectualizing and talking your way around your feelings um Mm. i found that also very very interesting that it gave me a real aha moment where i was like oh my god that's totally what i do because i've done so much work on myself now and i don't think the work's ever well actually i don't like to say that because i find it really limiting i hope the work is over at some point (laughs) but i'm not sure i'm not sure it ever will be there just seems to be more and more layers you're like oh for fuck's sake i thought this is all dealt with but um i feel like if As you go through those layers and as you learn more about yourself and you do become more self-aware, you start to just go, Oh, that's what that is. And instead of really feeling it and really going into it and being like, Oh, that's what that is. you, You know, it's like you go from this more surface level, like, Oh, that's what that is. Oh, I can deal with that. I can see what that is. Yeah. And
0: you and then you start to realise the full range, right? And that the full range exists because they exist. And, you, mm. you know, I went through a space, stage where I was over spiritualizing everything, right? I would look at the deep meaning of why everything happened, right? And actually, sometimes you feel crap because something crap just happened. And yeah. it's not because, you know, you're a Leo and you happen to interact with a Taurus and your chakra on the left was not mixing right with the right. It was just that in that moment, it was crap. Yeah. yeah and and so you felt crap about it and that's yeah that's normal and actually that's quite freeing when you start to look at life a little bit more like that without having to you know pull every single thing apart and question why is this happening and what's the learning because I'll do that and you know and, and, and then I'm doing spiritual work to avoid having to kind of be right yeah. so, so again it's just another way of taking myself out of myself because I struggle to be myself yeah that
1: makes sense that yeah. doesn't make sense to me <laughs> <laughs> i love what you said about stopping drinking as well because i think not many people talk about this part of it like um i've had a really interesting uh, relationship with alcohol i guess i would call myself sober but i do drink probably i don't know three to five times a year i might have two or three drinks maybe once in a while i'll get pissed Right? But I find that quite hard to talk about because I think I didn't have an addiction problem ever. And so if you're a grey area drinker or you've got an addiction problem and you hear someone like me going, I got sober and then I just decided that I would have a drink here and there. um, That's probably quite a damaging message, you know, because I don't have an addiction problem. So I can literally go out and have a drink and then I yeah. won't drink again for 10 months and that's fine for me, but it's not okay for others. But one thing that I've seen universally, no matter why people give up drinking, whether it's, you know, cause I've got friends that are 20 years sober, I've got friends that are in AA, I've got friends in NA, all, all different kinds of, yeah. you know, the spread of sobriety, if you like. Um, every single one of us, and if you're, don't count yourself in this, let me know. But I'm pretty sure that every single person that I know that's been sober, at about three to four months, of not drinking, life goes mental.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: all your emotions come out, and you don't know what to do. It's like it's like being a teenager or something again. It's like I've got all this stuff, and I don't know what to do with it. And I'd normally have a drink when I felt like that, but now I can't. And uh, so I'd love—I don't know—like it sounded like you had a really similar experience with that. Yeah, you? yeah. Stopping drinking, well, and it'd be interesting to see how you sort of navigated that.
0: Well the first thing I would say to just pull it back on what you said about your relationship with with alcohol mm. right you, you have what is now quite a healthy relationship with alcohol right you yeah. use it four or five times a year or whatever it might be and you said that that might be quite damaging to say that to people I would uh, it's not damaging it might be it might be testing for some mm. people to hear what's damaging is that they then think that your truth should not be allowed to be aired because it makes them feel uncomfortable
2: mm. So what's
0: damaging is that they don't take the discomfort and work on themselves and say, why does it make me feel so uncomfortable?
1: That's an interesting perspective. And thought of it that way. And I think
0: I do think that's important because what happens is and what I see and i'm not doing anyone down here but i worry that we demonize alcohol right i see the, mm. the kind of s- s- sober community now which is incredible and i'm so glad it exists and i think more people's lives will change because it does
2: Absolutely.
0: my o- my only worry is that they demonize alcohol or not mm. they that some people demonize alcohol and they make alcohol the problem yeah.
2: right and it's
0: because alcohol was you know thrown in my face from the beginning of the- and i think that plays a part in Absolutely. while some of why some of us have a difficult relationship with alcohol but I didn't drink loads because it was thrown in my face. I was, when I was 12 years old, was desperately looking for something to make life feel okay. And yes. I am I am so glad I found alcohol in a society that wasn't giving me anything to try and help me feel okay.
2: Mm. Alcohol
0: saved my life. I drank instead of killing myself on numerous occasions. Yeah. When I remember my childhood becoming way more manageable when I found alcohol. Yeah alcohol was never my problem it caused me a lot of problems in the end yeah it was never my problem it was an attempt at a solution yeah and when I stopped drinking I was left with my problem I didn't heal just by stopping drinking now some people may have and I think that's fantastic and I think it's great and they should promote the idea that their life became incredible as a result of when they stopped drinking yeah um that's not my story Yes. I, that's not that's not my story. My experience was that life became horrible again. Well, yeah. alcohol had stopped working for me. Um, but in the end, that's why I stopped. But what I would say is that um people say to me, Do you miss alcohol? And I like I don't think about alcohol now. I don't think to myself, Core, cool, I miss alcohol, but you best believe there's some days where I think I wish I could just drink half a liter of liquid and everything would go away for the night. Of course, yeah, abso- absolutely. I've I've had no choice but to do an incredible amount of self work on myself because I don't have anything to escape my feelings or or or, or, or a substance <laughs> at least, right? I don't. Yeah. Um, and so, do I miss that? Well, absolutely, I do. So I think you know there is nuance in that in that aspect, and it's yeah. often not explored very well because it comes back to what you said at the beginning, which is when we feel uncomfortable, Mm. what we tend to do is think, right, we need to, I feel uncomfortable with this. I need to let this person know and they need to be more compassionate. When actually that's dysfunction. Mm. Dysfunction is believing everybody else should change their behavior so that I get to feel more comfortable, right? I grew up in an environment where I walked on eggshells, right? Hoping that I wasn't the one to trigger the person that was drinking, right? Mm. That's dysfunction and it makes people dysfunctional, right? So, So, True growth is when I say I feel uncomfortable. What can I learn about myself?
1: Absolutely. Oh, there's so many nuggets in there. I don't even know where to start.
0: <laughs> Probably rambled a little. I mean, bit. That, that no, says to but... me I rambled too long. Ago. No,
1: it's great. It's like this is the, this is why I wanted to talk to you because um, it's I've never really thought of it that way. And I think definitely one of my patterns that I notice in myself is that I I am a massive chronic people pleaser. Chronic. Mm. It's. It's actually ridiculous how much I will uh, bend and mould and curtail myself for other people's comfort. It's wild. You know, like mm. I, I don't think I even had a boundary until I was about thirty-five. Yeah, <laughs> like no, not I even relate. one. <laughs> I relate. And, yeah. uh, and I'm still, you know, that's still something that uh, daily is like okay. And actually, like when you said that, well, that is my truth. And it's like I think there's definitely been some weird things in there because, I, and I think also because watching when you watch close friends go through addiction and then trying to deal with that, you don't want to seem like you're. Not that I ever would, but, you know, like rubbing it in someone's face like, oh, well, I can just go and have a Negroni and then I can just go home. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah,
1: you know, and yeah. it isn't that at all.
0: It's just that it's not that because and- you never said it like that and you never would. No, right? And
1: for me, it's about, well, if I drink alcohol, what tends to happen is my depression and my anxiety are exasperated beyond belief. Right. And when I stopped drinking similar, very, very similar, so much resonated. I drank to not feel but I didn't know that I was doing that, and so then when I stopped, I had all these feelings I didn't know what to do with. Hello, mm. therapy. That was great. Did therapy, did breath work, EMDR, EFD, Like I've, I've already done every type of different therapy possible. Um, and now I'm really comfortable with my emotions most of the time. You know, or yeah. at least I'm 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 comfortable feeling. I don't, they don't always feel comfortable, but I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable feeling.
0: with how uncomfortable it often is to feel my feelings. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then, and so then it's like, okay, if I decide, but I always still check in with myself. Are you drinking? Because yeah, I don't know. You want to have a good time with your mate and you haven't had a drink with your mate for ages and it's going to just be a really nice evening. Or are you drinking? Cause you've had a really stressful week. Or this thing happened that you're not happy about and that's making you feel uncomfortable or some horrible life thing like I think the most testing time for me was last year I had a couple of really big horrific massive personal life bombs go off at the same time (laughs) and and that was a similar thing where I was like I remember sitting in the flat and thinking I just wanted to go and get a bottle of wine. And then mm. I was like, that's an interesting and I love what you say about getting curious because I do that as well. That's my practice now. Like, I just try and be curious about why I'm what, what's that behavior about then? So I was like, well, that's curious. Why do you want to suddenly get a bottle of wine? Because you haven't drank in like, I don't know, about 10 months at that point. So it's interesting mm. that tonight is going to be the night when you're on your own that you want to get a bottle of wine. And then when I sat with it, I was like, oh, it's because you're upset about that thing and you don't want to sit with the upset. OK, cool. And obviously, and obviously in that moment, then I go, well, let's sit with the upset. Let's journal it out. Let's, let's use a slightly more healthy coping mechanism. But again, it's Mm. not, it's not, I also think with lots of these things, anything that you use as a coping mechanism, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, gambling, sex, you know, whatever food, that's one that I (laughs) still is a thing, you know, that I lean on. Um, It's just a tool. Do you know yeah. what I mean, it's how and same with social media, all these things, they're all tools. It's how we use the tool, but we don't don't know how to use the tools properly.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And also sometimes it's a tool um, to escape. Right. Mm. What, what's the difference? What's the difference if I go? I feel awful about myself. I'm going to go and run until I can't run anymore. right? Mm. What, or I'm going to go and drink uh, a big I'm going to go and drink a bottle of wine, so I don't have to feel that, right? Mm. What is the difference? Well, some people will say to you, "Well, at least a runs going for health, like going for a run's healthy for you." Not if you run until you can't run anymore. It's not necessarily healthy for you. Some people will say, "Yeah, but if you drink a bottle of wine, you'll feel crap the next day." I'm not the most nimble person. When I go for a run, I feel <laughs> crap the next day, right? So <laughs> what I'm saying is, is escape is escape. Yeah. And, and sometimes escape is okay. Yes. If I mindfully go, this is too much for me right now. I'm going to go for a run, or this is too much for me. I'm going to go to the gym. This is too much for me. I'm going to go and do some of that work helping people because that's what works for me in the moment, right? Uh, Now, if I could drink alcohol and not ruin my life, why would I not use that as a way of escaping how I feel? Mm -hmm. Why would I not use that? It's just another form of escape and people will say to you "Yeah, but alcohols a poison and it's not very healthy for you also well, is sugar so <laughs> you know you can't stand there and use that excuse if you're using a tub of ice cream like i do yeah to say don't drink a bottle of wine when i'll do a tub and a half of ben and jerry's on <laughs> own on a friday night <laughs> oh, right? when sugar that. when sugar's when sugar's a drug too so yeah like, you know i think we have to kind of be realistic and we have to be we have to be open to ourselves and one thing that i've learned in the kind of 10 years where I've actively been doing this work is not to get carried away with myself, telling other people what I think they should do
2: because mm. I did that for four years.
0: And I tell you how many times I had to come back with my tail between my legs and say, I've started doing what you were doing. And actually it works or my opinions changed, and I now I have your opinion and I think yours is right. And I'm, I'm am i I'm sorry for being so aggressive about how wrong your opinion was.
2: Mm. Now that I've come to the conclusion
0: that your opinion in my life today is right. Now, why would I get aggressively angry with somebody about their opinion? Other than, other than because it's triggering something in me.
1: Yeah. But I think that's interesting with anger as an emotion in general. I spent ages. I, I could not connect with anger for a really, really long time. And I think, sometimes anger can be really helpful for for a couple of reasons number one it shows you where a boundary is being crossed Mm -hmm. generally number two if it's not a boundary thing it's something's in your way well what does that show you the thing that's on the other side of that is probably what you actually want
0: exactly do you know
1: what i mean and then sometimes that's layered with like i don't know self-belief issues or whatever it might be of why you haven't got the thing that you want and how somebody else has got it and you haven't got it and it's not fair <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. a bit like um but it's it's interesting when you can just start to break the emotions down and be like okay well what's the message
0: yeah. in that what and can then, i learn and there's societal factors here as well right mm. so you're you, you know you're a woman that said uh i find it really difficult to be angry right I'm a man who can tell you that throughout my whole life. My problem was I was angry too much. Mm. Well, I'm going to generalize here, but society doesn't allow for young girls to be angry without very quickly labeling them as crazy. Whereas young boys can be angry, right? And they're just a bit angry and got some anger issues, right? So um, women or or, or young girls have a tendency, I'm generalizing, of course, to turn their emotions in because Mm. it's not socially acceptable to be an angry woman.
2: Right? as much
0: as it is a man so yeah. so yeah like so it's the societal factors and then you start to realize that the systems and everything that we exist in also play a huge part on how we experience the world right?
1: massively absolutely yeah. and I think that's something again around alcohol that was really fascinating to me because I'd always drank since I was a mm. kid and my family drank and everybody around me drank. I'm from a fishing, you know, fishing town. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone just gets pissed and then has a fight and then goes home, you know. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> we love a party. It's great. Um, but it, it's interesting when you start when you stop a particular behaviour, whatever that behaviour is, and then you can see things from a different perspective and you're like, oh, it's interesting actually how many adverts there are for alcohol or how many situations it's just assumed that you're going to be drinking. And if you're not drinking that there's something weird about you or you must be pregnant then or driving or something. Mm. Um, and it just, I love what you said about that. Just being able to change your perspective and being able to, um, accept, Oh, my opinions changed. I actually, I've, I've seen this from a different point of view. And I think this is one of the things that's actually quite damaging about the way culture seems to be at the moment in terms of people getting canceled, you know, for like a tweet that they sent, in 2010 or something. Now I'm not mm. saying that people shouldn't be held accountable for their behavior. Right. Because if you've done something that's hideous, you know, there's, I mean, there's huge examples, right? Jimmy Savile, whatever, like all these different kinds of examples of people that have done hideous things and got away with it for like 20, 30 years. Right. So I'm not saying, Oh, if it was a long time ago, everyone should go, Oh, well it was a long time ago. Like if you've caused harm to other people, you sh- you should um, be accountable to that. However, people change a lot. And, Mm. you know, I've changed massively. And sometimes my memories come up of something I've put online, God knows how many years ago, when we didn't realise the internet was going to be as big as it is now. And you think, God, did I used to really think like that? It's not how I am now. We
0: we change a lot. Society changes very quickly Mm. at the moment. What's acceptable to say? I mean, if you look at the last two years, when, Mm. when we first went into the pandemic, what it was acceptable to explore and to question is completely different to what it is now. So the world changes very, very quickly. And Mm -hmm. and we forget the context of which we say things in the past. Right. So to bring it back to the alcohol thing that you said, right. I think in uh, Western culture, particularly in the UK, we have a terribly dysfunctional, unhealthy, unhealthy, relationship with alcohol generally speaking mm. as a society on the hold it's way too advertised it should not be cheaper for me to get a bottle of cider than it is for me to get a bag of apples right like all <laughs> of that kind of stuff is ridiculous Yeah, it's wild and we, and we need to talk about it right and it needs changing and we need to look at the way that we're advertising stuff we need to look at the way supermarkets send you down the alcohol aisle to get to the till all of that stuff mm. right but does that mean that Like my father-in-law, for example, who is an incredible man. If I become half the man he is at his age, I'll be happy. When he makes a joke about drinking too much, should I be saying, actually, you shouldn't make those jokes about that because alcohol is hugely damaging? Well, to do that, to make him him stop making his jokes, I would have to make him fully feel how I felt in my life as a result of the impacts of alcohol, right? Mm. Do I want to do that? Do I want to do that? Or do I think, actually let him live his life let him joke and laugh about the things that make him you know joke and laugh and I can actually see why it's funny in the context of his life yeah why should I be setting out to say actually if you make a joke that makes me feel uncomfortable you need to stop it right Mm. I I, you know what I I want I want freedom why because I grew up in an environment that made me feel restricted that made me abandon myself and try and be somebody and something that I'm not. And I've spent the last 10 years trying to undo that. And it's hard mm. work. So I don't want a culture that's restricting. I don't want people to think, can I say this without setting upsetting? X? I think we should look at people. and think, is this person a good person? Would mm. they really want to hurt somebody? And if the answer is no, then we can always have conversations to help people change and evolve. But mm. certainly to just suggest that, you know, people that overstep Not I, I'm a passionate person Wear a heart, my, my, my heart, my sleeve. Yeah. I say things sometimes that I don't mean I, yeah. you know, the amount of times people say to me, you said this last week. And I'm like, well, I said that. They're like, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I, <think that's- laughs> I don't know. I don't know who I was in that moment when I said that, but I don't think that now. Yeah. I, that, so, you know, that I don't like counseling people because I think we should be free to explore who we are without feeling like we're going to be judged to the, to the nth degree. And also
1: I think people should be allowed to make mistakes. Like, I don't know whether I'm just in this utopian thing, right? But I think generally, and there are always exceptions to the rule, so, you know, there, I do think, yeah, there are people out there that, I don't know, for whatever reason, uh, have inherent issues, whether it's narcissism or whatever, where then they don't see the world in the same way as as other people and therefore they don't necessarily have the capacity for compassion or empathy like a lot of other people do. But I think if you've got your kind of compassion and empathy intact, (laughs) generally Mm. you're trying to do your best with whatever life skills and whatever you've got available to you, you're generally trying to do your best, right? Mm. And if that's you and you're not actively going out trying to harm people you're going to make mistakes we all do mm. and and how do you learn from those mistakes it's similar how i feel about children right if if you're um if you've been naughty and i say that in inverted commas right if you've been naughty as a child and you're told to go and sit and think about what you did and you go and sit by yourself and you just internalize everything and think about what you did probably not that helpful right mm. whereas if you were to calm down and then have a well-meaning caregiver come and talk to you and say right let's have a chat what happened there and you can express why you you felt the way you felt and they can express why maybe expressing that feeling in that way isn't particularly helpful and how there might be a, a healthier way that you could express yourself when you feel like that. And it might feel nicer for you and it might feel nicer for everyone else. Or there might not be because sometimes we just lose our shit and that's also okay, right? Or whatever. That's probably a lot more helpful. And I feel like even in the adult world, because we're not taught to communicate um, how we feel properly. And because we are so scared of hurting other people's feelings a lot of the time. If you're highly sensitive, empathic, people pleaser like me, right? Um that you end up not actually ever expressing fully how you feel and then people don't understand you and you're not able to make mistakes or, or correct those mistakes. And it just becomes, that in itself becomes a bit toxic, that everyone's just trying to be these perfect humans that never make mistakes and are always super spiritual. And it's like, pff,
0: good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, what we're trying to do, we're trying to create a shameless society And that's highly dysfunctional. (laughs) Trying to create a society where nobody ever has to feel any discomfort or any shame because everybody makes sure that they do their research and lives the perfect life and never puts a foot wrong and never says anything bad out of context or anything that's going to upset anybody—that's dysfunctional. Yeah. Right. What and also
1: impossible.
2: Impossible.
0: (laughs) Exactly. But what happens in a more functional environment, like you've just said, is people make mistakes right they feel shame about it they feel a sense of guilt which is linked to shame right Mm. they feel a sense that i've done something wrong and then you sit down and you come together and you say let's search for a better way why was that wrong you know it could i can i adjust my way that i show up to the world as a result of what i've done right that's healthy right can you imagine can you imagine being part of any family system where the moment you put one foot wrong one foot wrong whether you're an adult or a child mm. everybody says get out you're no longer welcome in this house anymore it's highly yeah. highly dysfunctional yeah. and it's 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 it comes back to shame everyone's yeah. terrified of shame and feels like the antidote to that is to make sure there's never any shame and that's mm. that is a walking on eggshells dysfunctional environment and, and that's it's where
1: we're Do you know what I mean? And then it's because it suddenly becomes, yeah, suddenly becomes the whole world treading on eggshells, and nobody is able to kind of have an opinion that differs from the cultural narrative, which I think is also really dangerous. Because a lot of the time, there's exactly what you've mentioned there about systems and how certain power powers are in play that do need to be questioned in my opinion (laughs) you know, and there are things that need to change and that only happens when people are able to express themselves right
0: exactly because look because look where we are now yeah in a society that that we live in where there's lots of power structures Mm -hmm.
2: right
0: and so what you have is a dysfunctional environment where uh, nobody gets to be authentic because you have to stick to the system in which we're involved in and then what happens is if you look at the last two years what you have is loads of Uh, golden children or the equivalent of right, Mm -hmm. the ones who say, I'm gonna follow all the rules, never ever question any of them, and I'm going to be a good little person, right? Because that's the right thing to do for humanity and society. And I'm never going to question everything, right? And so the people at the top in the power structures get to point to everybody else, the scapegoats, and anybody Mm -hmm. that questions anything, and say, Why can't you be more like the golden children? Look how well they're doing, they're following the rules, you're the bad person. Mm -hmm. And then and then we scapegoat, and then instead of looking at daddy's alcohol problem or the dysfunction that's happening at the top of the system at the moment, instead of looking at that, everybody looks at the scapegoat and we're all, we're all arguing because they're not doing what's right for humanity on, and and what they're not doing is such small scale, and would have such a little impact that actually, if daddy just stopped drinking, or in this case, the power structures at the top actually just did what was right. right. Then the whole thing would change anyway and it's yeah this function a uh, kind of on a societal on a, level like
1: global level isn't it yeah, yeah, it's yeah. wild. so i mean this is probably going to be a bit of a, a tricky question i think but what do you feel has been your biggest learning on your journey so far i mean if you can pick one just pick one thing
0: <laughs> can, I, can, I, can, I, can i can i give you two of course right.
1: you can i always um, think with that question it's like if someone asked me that i'd be like uh can i yeah. do top five <laughs>
0: the first one is um you're allowed to feel whatever you feel in any given moment and it probably makes sense Mm -hmm. right without rationale
1: yeah
0: it probably makes sense so i i I don't think we do enough of that yeah like okay so you're allowed to feel how you feel and your feelings in the moment are valid even if they might you know even if you reacted to them badly
2: yeah
0: the second thing is um to be aware that I could be wrong about everything that I've ever said and ever believed. Mm. And that's the biggest learning that I live by. And I believe it's the one that's allowed me to stay sober more than any other for 10 years, because my sobriety has been a series of going, Oh, everything that I've just been peddling and saying was the solution. I don't think is right anymore. And so I'm gonna have to drop it. I'm gonna have to come out and say to everybody,
2: Mm. is what I now
0: think I'm gonna to have to change my mind so um you take that one step further by the way and I think you should always try and make yourself wrong right so so, so I should look at what I'm doing I should look at what I believe and I should I should daily try and make it wrong
1: mm, I, don't, I don't know like I find that difficult because I think ugh, part of my anxiety and depression was consistently telling myself that I was wrong about everything all the time so for me that kind of like not that I want to be right all the time either, because I think that isn't, you know, that's just a bit weird, really, if you think that you know everything. Like, I agree with you. The more that I learn, the more that I know that I know nothing at all, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I think for me, uh, personally, I get where you're coming from with it, but if I was to consistently make myself wrong, that's like me going back into depressed Rachel. So it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. again, in the interest interesting how... Because I can see your perspective on that, and I and I totally honor that for you. And one of the things I always try and teach is you're your best teacher, exactly. Because that works for you, right? But mm. for me, that would probably end up being a really da- that that would be a stick that I would start beating myself with. See, told you that you you couldn't do that right. You can never do anything right. You know that mm. that's how I would use that. Uh, you know whereas you're using it like a carrot if that makes sense to kind of be like something that's motivational and inspirational to you to be like could i be wrong about this whereas i would flip it on its head my psyche would be like nah you're wrong you've you know you can't get anything right you're stupid you're you know little
0: idiot (laughs) whatever yeah and that's it's it's it's, and that's why right that's why all of the stuff that i do the work that i do i say don't you know don't do what I've done right. Yeah. You need to explore. I need to create an environment for you to kind of explore, explore what works for you. The one thing that I would say is that trying to make yourself right, right. What you often find is sorry. Trying to make yourself wrong. What you often find is that that you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, or, no, I say often. What you sometimes find is that you're right. Right. In trying to make yourself wrong, yeah. you can go out and go. No, I I still believe this. I'll I've read that argument, and I think no, nah, it's yeah. not changed my mind. But. It, for me, what I have a tendency to do is pick up this new thing and then set about just trying to make sure nothing else will ever work. And this is it. I found the answer. It, isn't it? Right, I'm going to be okay forever now. That's kind of what I do. So I have to counter that by going, let's have you know, a bit of humility. And maybe maybe yeah. the person sat in front of you is right.
1: Oh, see, I d- I'm more like, um, I'm going to show my age now. Do you remember, did you ever used to go Woolworths? And, you know, they have the pick mix. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I like to treat my like my health and well-being and whatever I'm just like I feel like there's have a toolkit have some kind because you know let's say I've got I don't know I've broken a window if I've only got a hammer it doesn't matter how many times I whack that window with that hammer it's not going to fix it right I need glue and some and a bit more a new pane of glass or whatever right yeah yeah, and so I tried to think about you know sometimes i get really into meditation i meditate all the time other times i'm really into my journey, i journal all the time i use tapping all, all the time because that really helps me manage my emotions i use breath work when i really want to go deep into something that i know i'm avoiding like and so i have all these like you know it's like well <laughs> so i'll just be like oh okay which one which one kind of works for me so and i never really try and find that one like yeah, key yeah, yeah. if you know what i mean because i feel like there probably isn't i feel like there's many 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 keys because there's many 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 doors and, yeah. and you'll go through that door, and then you, and, and sometimes you'll be in this big open room that's full of all sweets and fun and joy and whatever. And then you'll see a door in the corner, and you'll be like, oh, for fuck's sake, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> right?
1: where's the key for that door? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you go through another door, and in that room, there's lo- loads of demons, and you're like, shit, yeah. right? Okay, I need my sword for this one, or I need, you know, it's just. I don't know if that made any sense. It it makes total sense.
0: It makes it makes total sense. And and, 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 you know, to kind of bring back to what we said, actually what we've come back to is that we're talking about the same thing, just coming at it from a slight, you know, with a different key through through a different door. Yeah. And I think the mistake that a lot of people make is they become overly evangelical about one thing,
2: Mm. and then they
0: start thinking that everything else is wrong. So they go, "No, no, 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 you need to do this. Now I did that in my earlier sobriety. And what I found to be true for myself is that um, my evangelicalism, so my, you need to do the, the way that I'm doing mm. it, was because I felt desperately uncomfortable that there might be another way, right? Because I was a, I had to be fixed and it had to be, this is the right way because anything else came with vulnerability and felt like a threat to what I was doing. Right. So let me be overly evangelical about this so that everybody does this, right? And And what I've learned over time is that um, my evangelicalism is a result of the fear that you having another way somehow makes my way less...
1: Like, less less, effective. But do you think as well, though, that people... Because I always find this, like, when I find... You know, when when you've been in a lot of pain, right, whether that's physical pain or emotional pain or whatever, right? And so for people that maybe haven't had emotional pain, lucky... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, they don't. They're in imagine denial. you
1: got a toothache, yeah. right, and then you find the right painkiller that takes that tooth toothache away. It's amazing, right? And and when you've been using maybe unhelpful coping mechanisms for your whole life, and you find something that's actually pretty healthy in inverted commas and 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 you use it and it works and you and you suddenly are like oh my god like for me there's also that excitement where you want to go guys guys
0: yeah, yeah, yeah no that's true
1: <laughs> i found it i found the yeah. bloody i found the elixir of youth or whatever it is do you know what i mean you want to kind of like go you need to try this it's so good yeah. it's like it so much <laughs> you out
0: <laughs> But you know what I did? I used to do, I'd be like, I found this pill that sorts out your tooth, right? And then I'd be like, you've got to try it. And somebody would say, oh no, I already used this pill. And it totally Uh, works. And I'd be like, no, 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 No. you're lying. You're in denial. You're in denial. That's like, that's not true. That's like, you need to take this tablet. Your tablet's wrong. That's what I used to get like, right? And then what would happen is six months later, my tablet would stop working and I'd have to go back to that that person and be like, I know I was horrible to you about your tablet, but can I try it? (laughs) Yeah. So in the end, I just go, this tablet's amazing. I love oh, it. Oh, you don't need it. You've got an amazing tablet. Amazing, I'm happy for you. You've got yeah. one too. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of where you need to get to, right?
1: Yeah, that's so powerful. So um, what do you wish you'd known about kind of, I mean, I don't even know how to summarise your journey, but I guess like healing, like coming into yourself, embodying your truth, resilience. Um, what do you wish you'd known about all that stuff before you'd known it? If you could go back to like a younger Josh and... Mm -hmm. Depending on what you wish you'd known, what would you say to him?
0: I wish I'd known that it wasn't my fault, that I couldn't deal with my emotions. Mm. Yeah, so I wish I'd known somebody had come in and said, nobody's ever helped you comprehend these massive emotions that you're feeling, and actually Mm. they all make sense, and they don't have to be scary, and it comes back to, you talked about it very well earlier. Um, If somebody had just come in and helped me make sense of what I was experiencing, then it would have made a bit more sense right and so I think mm. the one thing that I think we need to do as people is to help children comprehend their experiences we need to yeah. do it much sooner than we much sooner than going oh they've started smoking weed we better try and help them because they've <laughs> they've already found a solution and your yeah. solution when they're 13 and better than weed yeah in the moment because they don't care about their life and etc 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 so you need to we need to get to children really early help them comprehend their experience let them know that it's not them yeah um and i think that's how we could create change
1: yeah because i um i heard that and i don't know if this is actually true but um i should have i, I wasn't sure it was going to come up so i didn't research it <laughs> sorry everyone listening if i'm wrong feel free to email me yeah, um, yeah. but i heard that children automatically make it about them so like yeah. if something bad happens and you're a child you automatically think oh, that's because I'm a bad child rather than, oh, that's because that adult doesn't know what they're doing or that adult hasn't got the right tools to, I mean, as if as if a two-year-old was ever going to think that, that adult hasn't got the right emotional tools to do. <laughs>
0: no, but this is exactly right. Yeah. Before you've overly, we're not born with a small brain that just gets bigger. We're born yeah. with a brain that's not formed. Yeah. Right. And so the rational part of the brain is not formed.
1: Not formed.
0: So they, it's not that they, you know, they literally don't have the capacity to rationalize it. So they will naturally t- turn it in on themselves. And when you yeah. look at like, brain development and stuff like particularly in the first four or five years, children yeah. are naturally egocentric because of that. And so they will turn it in on themselves, right? Yeah. And I'm not a doctor either. So your yeah. listeners should exercise <laughs> personal responsibility and fact check what they listen to, right? Yeah. <laughs> Feel free. There's a really good website. I've heard of,
1: um, really good website. I heard of, I don't know if everyone's heard of it, but it's really good for fact checking called Google. So.
0: Wow. (laughs) Wow! You must go a little bit careful with Google because there's algorithms that are in place that are pushed by the power structures as well, that will take you to possibly where they want to go to.
1: It isn't this. Well, this is a whole nother podcast, (laughs) 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 but I'm, I'm hoping to later in this, um, Later in this podcast, I've got a couple of people that I'm trying to get to come and talk about AI and algorithms and stuff like that, because I think it's fascinating, that whole where we think that we're finding the truth. And it's all a bit, uh, matrix-y. especially when you start to look
0: at, at who funds fact checkers and stuff like
1: that, <gasps> <It all> gets... <laughs> I mean, it just... but this is where I then start getting like, and I have to really watch this because one of my depressive parts, um, You know, I've spoke about Freddie on this podcast before. So Freddie's thing is a little bit like, what's the point in life? You might as well just kill yourself. What's the point? And sometimes when I go down those like algorithm power structure, do you you know, like I try like my poor little brain tries to work it all out and just goes, oh, we're all fucked. What's the point? You might as well just kill yourself. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: yeah. No, listen, I totally, I totally relate to that. So if I was you, don't go down the rabbit hole of AI because <laughs> Freddie will come out strong. Johan Harry's latest book explores it, which yes. is really worth reading. Um, that's on my reading list, actually. It's worth reading. I'm not quite finished it. I'm nearly there, but it, it, that explores... Uh, how all of those kind of structures exist and stuff yeah.
1: like that. Oh my God, there's so many. My reading list is like a bit wild, and I'm just constantly, I have like about three or four books at any one time that I'm reading. This is where I'm like, have you got ADHD? I'm pretty certain that I tend <laughs> to read <laughs> four or five books at a time and have one or two on Audu- Audible at the same time, but they're all different. And my mate's like, <laughs> like oh, going, I've
0: got to read one at a time. I won't start the next one until I've finished one.
1: Oh my God, I wish, I wish I did. Even know. if I
0: don't like the book. Oh. oh, it's annoying. I, I Like, I have to, what? like, re- I hard read it till it ends.
1: Oh, no. Like, even like, a, you know, when you're watching a crap movie and you're like, you know it's crap, but you're like, and I, and you know that you're never going to get that amount of your time left. And you, yeah. And that's one of my things now in my head. I'm just like, oh, my God, time's finite. That's your only finite resource, really. Like, you can make more of most of other things, but you can't really make more of time. And then you're watching a crap movie and you've got this narrative in your brain going, but it might get good again. It might, it might get good. It'll all come together at the end. Like there'll be this like penny drop moment where you go, oh yeah, shit, it was a really good movie, and it gets to the end and it's just shit, and you're like, oh my god, I just wasted two hours of my life. <laughs> so with books, I just put them. I'm like, I will just give, gift them, gift them to someone no, if it, if it no, don't, I, if it don't get me.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, it's a, it's a bad trait of mine. But I have to finish them.
1: <laughs> I don't think that's a bad trait. I think, for, yeah, I've started so I finish is probably a good trait for most things.
0: Yeah, do you know another trait I have with books, very quickly, because I know we've yeah. we're, we're probably already gone over time, um, is I try and alternate what I read. So I read one book that's really like, at the moment, Johan Harry, really wanted to read it, had a good feeling, and I was kind of right that it was it would feed into my beliefs. Yeah. And really, like, affirm a lots of things that I think and believe. Mm. And then the next book that I read, I try and make it be a book that's going to go against everything I believe.
1: Oh, I like that. I do that with Instagram mm. and stuff. I follow some people that have got completely like i i feel like this i might get called out on as well you know like why does she follow these people if she believes yeah. that and it's like because actually otherwise your feed becomes like a little echo chamber so i follow this one account oh my god it triggers me so much <laughs> it's, but then again it's like it reminds me of like okay you know is it wrong it's just a different perspective and, it, and i find that stuff really interesting but it's basically this Awful account. That, well, I say awful account. I'm not going to name the account. But in my opinion, it's an awful account because it's basically pushing this really patriarchal narrative. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I, you know, it's something that really, really triggers, triggers me because I think the patriarch hasn't served any of us. It's meant men aren't allowed to have feelings and they, you know, aren't allowed to express themselves in certain ways. It's meant women have been like held back in in numerous different ways. So actually, even if you are a white male in high society it hasn't really served you either you know um it doesn't really help any of us and so then when you see this narrative being pushed you're like and these motivational quotes that are like you know men are meant to be aggressive (laughs) it's like a motivational quote and you're like but again it's that thing of just making sure that you have something somewhere that's challenging because of these algorithms, because of everything, you can end up in your own echo chamber and never questioning yeah. what you believe or why you believe it, or whether your beliefs are correct or you know whether they need a bit of bit of salt and pepper and a bit of editing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I am aware of time because I'm trying to make these, out I could talk to you all day, this is a problem. I'm yeah, like, we oh started God, off by saying, we're I trying guess. to
0: make these shorter, we've done well. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, um, is there anything that you wish that I'd ask you that I didn't or anything that you want to share any little nuggets of wisdom uh
0: no look I've really enjoyed the conversation I had no idea we'd end up talking about what we did uh <laughs> which is great right um I don't think there's anything that I wish you would have asked me no so I've I've just to say that i've enjoyed it really enjoyed recording
1: it oh, it's fun isn't it i love doing this podcast um so where can people find you if they want to find out more about josh Connolly, where do they um where where can they hop and find you it's obviously played. i'll put the links
0: yeah my website is just joshconnelly.co.uk but i'm josh underscore ffw on instagram that's probably where i'm most active there in linkedin but i'm pretty findable if you go and get my website everything's linked there
1: well I will put the links below thank you so much for being here thank you for being so open and honest and sharing all your wisdom and thank you to the listeners for listening as always it's been my pleasure and I will speak to you very soon much love